Hey guys, thanks for checking out episode two of the Brews and Gentiles podcast. Today you're going to hear myself and Tyson talking about social justice. You know, we're going to break down what is social justice? You know, how do we as believers, as the church tackle and address current social issues that, that our country and the world seem to be facing? Uh, we really enjoyed having this conversation. It's very a very passionate topic and you'll hear some of that come out. We really hope that you get something out of this as well. Again, thanks for checking it out. We hope you enjoy it. I'm a pickle. I hate you so much. I don't want that to become a reoccurring. I'm Biggle Rick. Don't do this. I don't want this to be a bit. Is it going to clip? I'm Biggle Rick. It is clipping, so people are going to enjoy that. Thank you for that. Boom. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, man. How was your week? Um, it was actually really good. We uh, we had a lot going on with the website. We did, Um, yeah which spent a lot of extra time doing that, but it was actually satisfying, really fun working on that type of stuff. So Yeah. yeah it it's always cool, like, working really hard on something and uh, seeing kind of your, your labor come to fruition in the finished product, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's always super fun. So, man, I, uh, right off the bat, I have some, I need some advice. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I need some marriage advice. Um, people, <laughs> what? <laughs> where are you going with this? I, I, dude, I just, people told me that marriage was going to be hard and, you know, I was kind of expecting that, but, um, I've learned something about my wife that is, is difficult for me to process. Um, and Carly, I really, I'm sorry for whatever is about to come out. No, it's okay. Like I, she's okay with me talking about it. We talked about it. It's fine. Okay. Um, but I just need some advice cause I'm not really sure how to, how to handle this going forward. You know, um, I have to adjust my pop filters. There we go. Um, so I found out that, uh, you know, I love my wife. Let me just preface it with that. I think she's incredibly funny. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's talented, creative, all of that. Yeah. But do you ever learn something about a person that kind of shifts your whole view of them? Of course. Um, yeah. So I have learned that about Carly. Um, <laughs> I learned that when she was a child, she would dip chocolate chip cookies into ranch dressing and eat them. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. I don't know what to do. She, does she still like doing that? I don't know. She could. She could be a sociopath for all I know. At least it's not human flesh, right? At least it's not human flesh, yeah. Okay, that's funny. Good one. You got me there. I'm the weird one because I would try a human being. Oh, my God. Just kidding. It's a bit, guys. It's a bit. I promise. <laughs> Since we're talking about trying things, let's talk about coffee. Is that Ooh, good, good segue. Yeah, wow. it's a good segue. Yeah, we're, uh, we're drinking some coffee from a semi-local, we'll call them a regional roaster, uh, in, Inda, Inda Coffee Co. Mm-hmm. Um, in Columbia, South Carolina. I have a friend that's the roaster there, and he's got us uh, today an Ethiopian uh, Guji. So it's a washed Guji, and it's really, really good. It's nice and light. It's got notes of orange and jasmine. Gucci gang, 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 Gucci gang. I was not <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> that was genuinely shocking to me. Uh, yeah, so that's what we're drinking today. We'll link Inda on social media and then in the show notes for this in the description if you want to go order some from them. So yeah, that's what we're, we're sipping on today. Um, and it's super good. Did you say nice. how we brewed it? Uh, I don't know. Did I? I don't know. I know it's a wash process, but we did it in a V60. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's really good. It's real. So for those of you who also like coffee that are listening, um, this is strictly for you. Uh, we used a V60, um, and I used a 26 grams, uh, like medium to fine on the uh, grind size and then uh, I stir it in the process when it's blooming to kind of agitate it and then brew it to about 412 grams total and so 
yeah, if you're a coffee nerd, then that appeals to you. If not, then you just learn something that you'll never apply. It's really good for days like today. Like it's a bright, sunny Saturday afternoon and it's not super heavy. You know, sometimes you get like a, you get a bean that's just really, really heavy and it just sits on your stomach weird. This one's really Yeah, that was my nickname in high school, Heavy Bean. Heavy Bean Matthews. Yeah, Heavy Bean Matthews. That's coming for Titty Matthews, isn't it? Mm. Good old Heavy Bean Matthews. Heavy Bean Matthews. That's what they called me. That's your theologian name. Yeah. Heavy Bean Matthews. No, it's it's super good though. I highly recommend it. So uh, yeah, man. That's what we're doing today. We're drinking coffee. We're hanging out on a lovely Saturday afternoon and shooting the breeze. In Dylan's office. Yep. Not a bedroom. <laughs> Trademark. Uh, you want to talk about, you want to introduce what we're talking about today? Yeah. Go for it. Um, so Dylan already uh, kind of alluded to the topic by posting some um, polls on our Instagram story and uh, just asking where people stood on the topic of social justice, um, what the role is uh, for the church, and then kind of what topics are people really talking about and interested in. Um, But today, we're not going to necessarily hit any specific topics of social justice. We're going to uh, lay the foundation for, as believers, what we believe we need to Uh, use as our lens to see all different um, topics within the broad topic of social justice. Um, And we'll be able to hit those topics other weeks, but today specifically we're just talking about the Christian's uh, role and expected um, need of participation when it comes to social justice. And also, I mean, if you want to talk about the heartbreaking thing. Yeah, I mean... I think this is a, an important topic to talk about because yeah. we see stuff happening. I mean, it's unfortunate, but we see things happening almost weekly now that yeah. require our attention and our action in a lot of ways. And I mean, I'll just I'll get straight to it. Like the recent shooting in Christchurch in New Zealand, um, the sh- mass shooting at a mosque that was perpetrated yeah. by a white supremacist. Like I know that that left people around the world really... Uh, shocked and confused and in mourning over this and it just sucks that like this is the reality of the world we live in yeah um and this is this isn't the first instance of stuff like this like i mean we live in south carolina we remember just a couple years ago that there was a mass shooting at a historically black church in charleston right and one of the big questions that always comes up during this debate is what is the church's responsibility here like what what are we What's required of us? What should we do? Um, should we do anything? Should we talk about it? Should we not? Should we be engaged in, in political activism, um, in campaigns, or, or is it just in God's hand to, to judge the world? You know, um, so When we talk about this, this issue of social justice, I feel like it can get really heavy. Um, it can get really partisan really quick as yeah, well, which is true. super... Yep difficult to navigate at times you know it's really hard to talk about this issue and not ruffle some feathers so we're going into today's topic and episode really expecting probably to to ruffle some feathers and to to, i mean to engage conversation that's that's the whole goal of this podcast is to engage people in tough conversations so even if you disagree with maybe the things that we say and we might discover as we talk about this that we disagree on certain points like that's okay remember the whole point of this podcast is a conversation about tough topics um, it doesn't mean that the people you disagree with are your enemy. It doesn't mean that um, that they are the bad guys, right? It just means that we need to talk about it. Yeah. So that's what we're doing today. And if, um, honestly, it's not our goal to ruffle feathers and we're not just picking a hard topic right. um, to see how many clicks we can get. Um, this is something that both Dylan and I have been struggling with, uh, wrestling through, as to how our response should be. And so if you, honestly, if you disagree with the way we approached it, um, we embrace uh, criticism. So if you Mm -hmm. uh, message us or just let us know, hey, I felt like this was off-putting or uh, that you said this wrongly or incorrectly, um, that's not not a a bad thing for us. In fact, we invite it. So... um, all our all we're hoping to do is start a further conversation and 
we also realize that we're not necessarily, um, we're not bringing anything new to the internet um, with Christians talking about social justice. Um, There have been uh, far smarter, uh, far holier men and women that have touched on this topic than uh, than us. And so we acknowledge that and we're humbly coming to it, hoping that we can do it justice. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, um let me, uh, before we get into it, I think I've listened, you and I both, we've listened to so many different videos, mm-hmm. different podcasts, list, uh, read so many articles, news stories, um, to kind of help, uh, better equip us and influence the way we're approaching this. Um, and the common thing that always comes up is there's a uh, misconstrued idea on both camps of people approaching this idea of social justice as to what social justice even means. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so uh, I'm not saying that this is the universal definition, but this is what Oxford uh, Dictionary says online for what social justice is. We're just going to use that as a base for what the world proclaims social justice is and how people should respond to it. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to read it. Um, it says social justice. That's how you pronounce it. Social social justice. Yeah, I don't know why they split it up like that. I'm just kidding. It's a noun, and it is justice in terms of the distribution of wealth, opportunities, and privileges within a society. Um, and so it's having to do with three things. It's having to do with wealth our opportunities and our privileges and the distribution of all three of those within a society. Um, And I think people on both sides have taken advantage of that and used it almost as ammunition against other people. What we want to do carefully um, and humbly is, is try and navigate what the Bible would say about social justice. I'm going to say like something that I stumbled across and I valued it. Um, it was an article from, uh, the gospel coalition, uh, and Tim Keller, we'll, we can have a link for that too. Yeah. We'll drop everything. We'll, we'll just say this. We'll drop everything that we've looked into that we've researched, um, or used as a resource going into this episode in the show notes. So you'll be able to find that there. Yeah. Um, so this is what Tim Keller said, and please forgive me. Anybody who's listening, I, should have done my due diligence to figure out how to pronounce these Hebrew words, um, but I'm just going to do my best, so show me some grace. All right, so he says, the Hebrew word for justice, mishpat, occurs in its various forms more than 200 times in the Hebrew Old Testament. Its most basic meaning is to treat people equitably with equality. We get more insight when we consider a second Hebrew word, that can be translated as being just, though it usually translate, though it is usually translated as being righteous. The word is zadika, to zadika. Sorry again for these pronunciations. And if it refers to a life of, oh my gosh, I'm butchering this. Um, <laughs> it refers to a life of right relationships. These two words roughly correspond to what some have called primary and rectifying justice. Rectifying justice is mishpat. It means punishing wrongdoers and caring for the victims of unjust treatment. Primary justice, or tzedekwa, whatever, is behavior that, if it was prevalent in the world, would render rectifying justice unnecessary because everyone would be living in right relationship to everyone else. Therefore, though tzedekwa is primarily about being in a right relationship with God, the righteous life that results is profoundly social. Um, And so that really influenced me, um, kind of taking into account what God has to say about justice, knowing that there's not this one blanket term, social justice, that God uses um, in regards to how we should act, how we should treat others, what should be coming out of us, Um, But there's two things that are at play, and I think that's really important. There's something that has to do with the government, that the the government is doing right by people um, with wrongdoers, and there's something that flows from inside us that if everybody had that right, we wouldn't really need the government to step in. 
Um, further in that same article, Don Carson quoted, uh, he said, to preach moral duty without the underlying power of the gospel is moralism that is both pathetic and powerless. To preach a watered-down gospel as that which tips us into the kingdom, to be followed by discipleship in deeds of mercy, is an anemic shadow of the robust gospel of the Bible. To preach the gospel and social justice as equivalent demands is to misunderstand how the Bible hangs together. Mm. Christians interested in alleviating only eternal suffering implicitly deny the place of love here and now, while Christians who by their failure to proclaim the Christ of the gospel of the kingdom, while they treat AIDS victims in their suffering here and now, show themselves not really to believe all that the Bible says about fleeing the wrath to come. In the end, it is a practical atheism and a failure in love. Um, and so I think for us, this kind of centers things, you know, it's yeah. um, people are looking at the issue and they are saying there is a need mm -hmm. and they're right. We live in a broken world and there is always, like you just said, it seems like every single week, something huge in the news is coming up, a mass shooting, a bombing, um, people coming out about being, uh, raped and yeah. sexually assaulted yeah. on mass scales it feels like there's never ending darkness looming um and that's true yeah um now the the thing is is it part of the gospel that we enact social justice is it is it a qualifier of the christian to be on the front lines marching um, is it our due diligence to vote in policies and to uh, speak up against uh, ill politics and, and anything like that? Or are we to stay silent, like Titus says, to, uh, um, to have more of a submissive approach to the leaders that God puts in place? What is the balance that really Christians are called to? And I think that's the overwhelming question that we're having to navigate. Definitely, definitely. And if I can just like, speak into that just for a second. Um, you know, I, I think I was raised in a tradition and a faith that did not value social justice, um, that would mischaracterize the nature of God being just as him being the only one that can pursue justice. Like, um, vengeance and justice are the Lord's. Like, you will hear that misquoted often when you talk about this. Like, it's not our job, it's God's job to right. judge. It's God's job to bring about justice. I bookmarked just a few of the numerous passages throughout Scripture that, that talk about our responsibility when it comes to justice. So I'm going to read a couple of those real quick, if that's okay. Um, the first one's Jeremiah 22.3, and it just says, This is what the Lord says, Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one that has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. That's just one verse. Like, there, there, plenty, plenty more. Um, let's pull up another one. Uh, James 2, 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if not accompanied by actions, is dead. Yes, okay, so I'm so glad you brought that up because I think you are making a perfect connection and everybody needs to inevitably make this connection that to talk about social justice, you have to talk about the gospel. Yes. And so you people get the same thing wrong, in my opinion, when it comes to social justice that they do about the gospel. When you read James 2, you can easily misconstrue that to saying that... Uh, in order to be saved, I need something in addition to faith, and that is right, deeds. Right. What it's that's not what it's saying. It's saying that true faith will produce deeds. Um, it's saying that uh, kind of like from an overflow of the heart that has been transformed by the gospel will have deeds that are showing a transformation of the gospel. 
Right. I mean, that's what he says in James 1. I mean, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I both absolutely love that verse and absolutely hate it because I do it so poorly. Yeah. yeah. Like, it is freeing to me because I'm like, man, I don't... It's not about how many times I go to church, how well I know my Bible, how clearly in... Uh, eloquently I pray to my God, it's about loving people. Yeah, definitely. Yet that's also the problem, is as broken people, we a lot of times fall short in that arena. Um, thanks for bringing it. I love that verse. Yeah, I mean, um, I just think that it's important to acknowledge the fact that you can't talk about social justice and exclude the Bible, but you also you can't talk about the gospel and exclude justice. Right? Like, I think that's a big misconception when we start talking about this is that, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about social justice issues. That's absolutely not true. That is a lie. That is just not good theology at all. Like, you are not going to read the Bible and not read about a God who cares about justice. Amen. And that's why it's important to talk about this. Too many churches, I believe, are, are staying silent on this issue, and silence isn't going to fix anything. Right. Even if we're not jumping into action immediately, doing things, and we'll, we'll get to that, but we, at the bare minimum, like, let's talk about these issues. Yeah. Let's, let's come to the table together and figure out how can we help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like something that has been weighing on my heart, there's this, there's this podcast I really love. I, uh, I haven't listened to it in a while. Um, so to be honest, I don't know if like they have, still continual uh, episodes coming out. Um, sorry if you hear any background noise from a uh, lawnmower. We got a trusty uh, lawnmower guy. Why can't I think of the landscaper? Landscaper. <laughs> lawnmower guy uh, outside. So if you have any, hear any background noise, sorry, but that doesn't matter. We're talking about a, a good topic, so we're going to get back to that. Um, they, they talked about, it's called, I think it's called Together, or Here We Stand, or Together We Stand, and it's, uh, it's about praying, and basically, um, it's a, a man and a woman, they come together, and they talk about really hard issues, and then they just pray about it. Hmm. Um, and one thing that they, they brought up on an episode was uh, proactive prayer and reactive prayer, and I hmm. think there's something that trans, translates to to justice. Um, and so I said, uh, proactive versus reactive. And like, I think, I think there's a problem with a movement, uh, being reactive instead of proactive, just because I think reactive is based on the problem. Yeah. Um, so say a shooting happens and therefore people react. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas proactive is based on the solution. Um, and we believe in a solution of an absolute truth of the gospel. So if we mm -hmm. believe in an absolute truth of the gospel of Christ and believe that the gospel changes our hearts and gives us new eyes, um, then we should let that be the thing that pushes us into love through action, not specific things going wrong, wrong in our world and us having to progressively adapt what we believe Yes. On a weekly yes. basis, but rather we're coming from an eternal truth that hasn't shifted, that hasn't changed, um, and that it stems from the gospel, which to us as believers, like I said, is the solution. Um, but when we let like a shaky, the shaky moving nature of our culture be the decisive measure as to when and how we react, then we're absolutely no different. Yeah. Um, I think that's the... Like, I'm going to be honest, I think that's what scares a lot of churches when we start talking about social justice. Yeah. Um, it's this idea that the term social justice can, like, you've defined it in the beginning, but it seems like that definition culturally is very loose. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, it's, it's the joke. If you ask five different people what social justice is, you'll get five different definitions, you know? Um, and that's a scary thing. When we start talking about the church's obligation to speak into it, the church's the church's obligation to uh, 
to produce action based on social justice issues, to be involved in social justice issues. It's a scary thing to say, yeah, we're going to get involved in these social and cultural movements because they're constantly shifting. So I think the role of the church, like when we address these issues, is to always, like you're saying, like look at it through the lens of the unchanging gospel. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's interesting because Christ didn't go, like when he, he went to the Samaritan woman at the well, he didn't go to a Samaritan woman to make a political or cultural statement to his kin, the Jewish people, that all people are equal. Although he was sub- in a uh, like non-aggressive way making that statement right. by going to a woman when that was culturally not allowed, and especially a Samaritan woman who were considered less than and actually worse than dogs to the Jewish people, although he was making that statement, he just went to her. Yeah. He loved her, he preached to her, and ultimately saved her life and the life of a village. And I think... I think the biggest problem, because like you said last podcast, I'm probably a lot more liberal than you are. I don't like to attach that label to me, but I think I would say I I tend to be moved by compassion Mm -hmm. a lot quicker than I am like logic or anything, I mean, or wealth or anything like that. And so I would say yes to that. But at the same time, I feel like I feel like it is. it does such a disservice um, to try and tack something on to a gospel that's never changed. Right. Because the culture that we live in is now saying this is important. And don't get me wrong, like Christians throughout the ages have been practicing social justice, but they didn't label it as an act of social justice. It was right. a duty to be human. It is an obligation to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And I mean, like, you think of... Uh, oh, man, why am I forgetting her name? This is so embarrassing. Uh, the <laughs> uh, Underground Railroad. Harriet Tubman? Yeah. I mean, uh, I watched a documentary about her, and she talked about, um, in some of her letters, being led by the Holy Spirit to these different towns um, where she was given the courage and the boldness to free these people. And like, I think that's so amazing because she wasn't trying to, um, she wasn't trying to do anything to make political statements. She was just caring and loving for people and doing the right thing. Right. And you look at like, um, you look at Paul. I mean, he was stolen out of jail um, and pushed over the wall to get out of a town to flee from from being persecuted and killed because the Holy Spirit led those people people and said Paul's ministry is not over yet. We need to get him out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's a huge thing. You can't negate as Christians. I'm totally speaking as Christians. Um, you cannot negate the role of the Holy Spirit that. Like just to do something because the culture is saying we need to do this, um, without having like the actual yeah. role of the Holy Spirit and like giving you the move and saying that I'm leading you to do this. Speak out right now. Say something. Um, we a lot of times put our feet in our mouths and yeah. like look like idiots, trip over ourselves because we're trying to move with the culture instead of the Spirit, and it's not good. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I think that you're absolutely spot on with that is that we can't negate the work of the spirit when we're doing this kind of stuff. Like, let's be honest here. Like when we talk about social, social justice issues, we've already established that biblically, theologically, the church has an obligation to speak in and do something right. Like James talks constantly about caring for widows and orphans. Jesus talks about caring for the poor. I mean, and he acknowledges it's going to be a problem forever. You know, you're always going to have the poor. You're not always going to have me. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's like using the word, and this is why there's there's such uh, people trip over themselves, is that word obligation. The being transformed by the gospel and having a new heart and new eyes 
transform something that at one point was an obligation right. to now uh, an opportunity, something mm. that we get to do, not what we have to do. I think for me, um, uh, now that I have promised my wife that I'm going to be with her forever doesn't mean that I'm obligated to not cheat on her. But I get to come home to my wife every single day and love her and serve her. And so I think with the church, we've been united to our groom, Jesus, if we're believers. And we get to, because we have been made new, we get to do these things. And when people hear like, hey, you need to do these things, out of a good heart, they're saying, hey, if you're a Christian, you should be different. But yeah. what people hear is, whoa, 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 that's workspace. I shouldn't be doing any, like, don't tell me I need to do anything. That, if I'm a- yeah, absolutely. That's not, let me, let me rephrase kind of what I'm trying that's to not, say. That's not, I know that's what you're saying. I'm saying for people that may be listening. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. We are not saying that your salvation is earned by caring about social issues. What we're, what Tyson is alluding to is like, yes, it's an opportunity. It's a command, but what's the heart of the command? The heart of the command is compassion. You can't follow Jesus and not be moved by compassion for people, right? Like that was a huge thing for Jesus. I mean, Matthew 14, 14, another verse of bookmark for this. Um, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. The point is that we are, it's not, we're not, we're not obligated to do these things so that we can earn our salvation. We now understand that we have the fix. We have the fix. We're being commanded to go care about these issues, to go care for the poor, to go care for the the hurting and the dying and the sick and to take care of widows and orphans and to speak against oppression and to speak against injustice, not just because we're obligated to do it, but because we have an opportunity to, to go a step beyond what just culture can do. Amen. Because culture can offer a temporary Band-Aid solution for what we know is a gaping, bleeding out wound. And Jesus has given us the fix to go in and speak into those and shed light on those issues. And it is an opportunity. It's an obligated opportunity, right? Like Jesus tells us this is what you need to do. But the reality is if you are pursuing Jesus, how can you not? You know? like Yeah. Yeah, and... um... What's his name? The magician that I referenced earlier? Penn? Uh, the guy from Penn and Teller. Yeah, I can't remember Penn. his last name. Um, Penn Gillette. That's right. Penn Gillette, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, I think like what blows my mind is there are, there are Christians who they don't get this. They're, they're totally numb to the idea that there should be... Um, some sort of action are on our end yeah. as believers, but Pendulette, uh, I mean, it's a famous quote. And if you were ever in a youth group, you probably heard it quoted. Um, but he just talked about how he actually thinks it's abnormal. Oh, why can't I say that word? Admirable. Abnormable. Abnormable. Close enough. I'm like, <laughs> I was going to say a political <laughs> thing. I'm not going to, um, that it is a, Abnormable thing. There Good it is. Good job. Proud Thank of you. you. Thank you. There should be like a clap track, right? Like, ah. Um, that a Christian would be zealous in the way in which they shared the gospel. That they would, if they actually believed that what they had was the cure to salvation, that they had the one connection to God through Jesus, it would be the most evil thing to withhold that from the world. Yeah. And I find that mind-blowing because we as believers so often are okay with stooping down to a lower good news if it's more palatable for the people that we're talking to than to just offer the thing that could give them eternal life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think... I've wrestled with this for a while because my wife, she has such a compassionate heart um, towards people uh, that are less fortunate, that aren't given rights that they deserve. um, And she moves so quickly to want to love those people. And I used to challenge that because I challenged it, I think for a healthy reason, but a lot of times it moved me to be idle. Um, And I would always be like, yeah, but... 
yeah, we could we could be behind this movement, but it it's not enough because these people still aren't if we believe that through the gospel we have the greatest thing they could offer, then getting them higher wages isn't going to help if we believe apart from Christ they're going to hell. That and it's like for me it would freeze me, you know, yeah, like the frozen yeah, yeah. chosen. It would freeze me where I'm just like, so why even speak out against anything if it's not the ultimate fix? Well, I think that that's what you're, I think that's what happened. Like you, the Tim Keller quote, I believe it was the Tim Keller quote you shared earlier about how we are often eternally minded. Right. Um, which is not a bad thing. Don, I think it was Don Carson. Keep, keep talking. We're, it's not a bad thing to be focused on the life to come. But that doesn't negate the fact that Jesus has also called us to focus and love and fix the life that we have now. Yeah. You know, like we, we can, I think honestly, like the idea of being eternally minded should give us confidence and joy to speak into what we have now. Because as, as Christians, like, man, like we have the ultimate joy. We have the ultimate comfort, the ultimate satisfaction. What else do we need? Why are we not out then fighting for those that don't, you know? Yeah. Um, for the ones that are poor, for the ones that are hurting, the ones that are are kind of beat down and oppressed by systems and just wrapped and entangled in injustice. I think we should be some of the first ones to speak out about things that we very clearly see are unjust because we don't have anything to lose. Yeah. Yeah. I um just to, just to add to that quote, it was uh it was Don Carson who was at the end of it he said christians interested in alleviating only eternal suffering implicitly deny the place of love here and now yeah so good absolutely i think um like it was it was honestly it was a joy to be able to do it um because we got to just love people but grace and i uh we didn't get to do it this past year but the year before we went on the women's march mm-hmm. and i have a lot of like very conservative christian uh, friends that were like either making jokes or thought like that was uh, like I was being a raging liberal by just showing up and walking. I didn't hold any sign. Um, and everybody's scared of if you do anything, then you're implicitly saying that you agree with everything. Yeah. Um, and I think that's honestly, I think that's BS. Like I, I didn't, well, I, I think to like, I think it's good to abstain from things to not give anybody the idea that you support things. But I think it's also good um, when, like, when Jesus showed up to the Samaritan woman, it was a cultural barrier that mm-hmm, men and mm-hmm. women didn't inter- interact if they weren't married because it would it would be inappropriate because that's not her husband. Jesus knew, and his disciples came up. They didn't even ask. What did you tell her? And he had just, for the first time, actually proclaimed the gospel and shared it. And it was with a woman. They didn't care anything about what he had to say. All they cared about was, why is he sitting there with this woman? And I think a lot of times today as Christians, we we get so consumed with what are people going to think that we just kind of like, I'm just not going to do mm-hmm. anything. Um, yeah, like just real quick, I think that there's a legitimate fear to what you're saying. Like, I think some of the reason you had conservative Christian friends saying, "Like, well, why are you doing this?" You know, if you if you even show up at these events, you're complicit in the grand scheme of it all. Um, like, you know, that's one of the the reasons that I've heard my conservative Christian family and friends rail against the Black Lives Matter movement was because they see riots happening at these Black Lives Matter marches. And they're like, anybody that is com- that is advocating for Black Lives Matter is complicit in the crime that's occurring there. Well, I get, see, I, I know what you're saying. I totally agree with what you're saying. I just, what I get upset about is the thing that Christians are known for at these rallies is being condemning and negative if it's a, if it's an abortion clinic, the only other Christians that were at that women's rally were driving by with signs, yelling at, condemning, and then had like in the name of Jesus, um, 
But it's like at an abortion clinic, I think I have told people that I love that I think that is the murder of a baby. But I'm not going to show up at a clinic and picket something. Rather, I think it would be more loving to show up at that clinic, go into the clinic, sit next to that woman who is contemplating getting an abortion and just love her. Just right. love her. Right. Well, but people would look at that and say, you're going into the abortion clinic and sitting with this woman who's about to murder a baby. You are being complicit to the whole grand scheme of what Planned Parenthood stands for. And I would say absolutely wrong. Right. Yeah. So this is what I wanted to get at is that there's a legitimate fear to some of the social movements because some of these secular social justice movements do have some negative aspects with it, right? Like one no, of the I reasons, agree with that. One of the reasons people are afraid of the, the women's rights movement or the, the March for Women and stuff like that is because a lot of it is, is based on this idea that a woman has a right to choose what to do with her body in the abortion arena. The issue, I believe, comes from a paralyzing fear that, like you said, refuses to speak into these issues. Instead, hmm. we speak against. That's like, true, yeah. Historically, well the said. church is, is terrible when it comes to social... The American church... The American Christian church is terrible at dealing with social issues because we are largely known for what we're against rather than being what we're for. Yeah. So so we always speak out against things we disagree with, but why don't we speak up for the things that Jesus has called us to speak up for? So yeah. with the abortion issue, yes, it is okay to be absolutely against killing a life and ending a life before it has a chance to live, right? Why are we so quick to speak out in favor of the right to life, but so quick to condemn the injustice of uh, the death penalty. Right. Right. Either either life is God's to, to give and take or it is man's to give mm. and take. Decide what you believe. Yeah. You know, why are we so quick to condemn women getting abortions, but we're, we're not quick to put our money where our mouth is and fund adoptions. Mm. We are not quick to open our homes to a broken, battered foster system. Mm-hmm. The church is full of hypocrisy, and I am the guiltiest. Like, we are all guilty of this. Yeah. One of the reasons the church has failed when it comes to social justice issues is because we are historically hypocritical, because we're blinded by fear that we might be judged. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you make an amazing point. And so at the end of that, at the end of all that, bringing all of that together, like what is the role for the Christian in the grand scheme of social justice? And I think it has to come down to if, if the Holy Spirit is not leading you to something in the same way that um, I, was at a, I was at the Rock Church, I think it was last week, and Matt Brown, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, Matt Brown talked about um, just the gift of adoption and um, the beautiful children that they have and uh, that he is now a father to these once called orphans. And it's just such a beautiful picture. And I think that is the holistic nature of being obedient, is that you are being so for something that you are willing to shift your whole life around it. I think mm. Christians want an immediate end they want a well, no, I don't want to say Christians, just people. They want an immediate fix. Yeah. Um, they want it fixed by somebody else doing the heavy lifting. And so somebody creates a policy and they'll share it. They'll favorite it. They'll retweet it. They'll go even vote for it and use their lunch break to go and vote for it. But if it means shifting their entire life in order to live out this thing that they are so convinced is unjust. Scrap it. Yeah. And I think as Christians, our lives need to communicate that there is something far greater, something far more beautiful than the life we live now, and it comes through Christ. Yeah. And if we are um, content uh, with just either sitting on our butts and expecting uh, the world to change by itself and, and, and being... Um, lazy Christians, or if we think that we need to be the change and we need to do everything and the change is by policy and it's by 
uh, us being the saviors of the world, we are going to be very disappointed on yes. either end. Yes. Um, and so I feel like, I feel like, honestly, this frames well. I mean, because we do have a lot of topics um, yeah. that we could spend 30, 45 minutes talking about. Um, and we can do it with passion, uh, but with an understanding that apart from Christ, apart from the Spirit's leading, um, apart from the love that influences the things we do, it is a clanging gong um, Absolutely. That, that is not helping anybody. Absolutely. But I do want to say one thing really quick, which is that when we talk about what is the, what is the Christian's obligation in social issues, man, as I was thinking and contemplating and, and talking to people and praying about this episode, like I had a lot of great conversations. Um, mm. I, speaking of Matt Brown, he and I talked about this issue because he's an incredibly wise guy. Um, I Your wise with, guy. Wise guy. I talked with uh, a friend <laughs> of mine that goes to church that is a professor of psychology um, and philosophy at Coastal Carolina, and he actually teaches a philosophy class from the lens of the philosophy of social justice. Um, oh, wow. He's also an incredible believer. Very What's strong. his name? His name's Jeremy. Okay. Um, great dude. Wonderful dude. Cool. Um, he and I had a great conversation about this man, and and he he brought up a lot of the stuff that I've said earlier, and he kind of alluded to all of that. But between him and Matt, and then praying about this issue. I've kind of come to this realization that it is my personal belief when it comes to social justice issues as a believer, I don't believe it's our job necessarily to to wait on government to fix injustice. No, 100%. Um, I 100%. think, like Matt said something brilliant in a sermon that he preached about adoption, which is that the church is God's plan A for healing uh, and dealing yeah. with widows yeah. and orphans. Man, like, let's take it a step further. I think the church is God's plan A for dealing with social injustice. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, we're God's plan A for dealing with racism. Look look at the example of Jesus with the Samaritan woman. We are God's plan A for dealing with outcasts. Look at his example with lepers, you know. We're God's plan A for caring for widows and orphans and the poor. So I think the question is not a grand, like, what do we do about it? I think the question becomes more inward, and it's what can I do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Amen, dude. Now we're going to have like a... Hallelujah! Like a preaching, you gotta. You <laughs> we gotta, gotta get an organ. Yeah, you'll have to edit that in there. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, dude, that's a hundred percent right. Um, I don't even, I don't even know if I have anything to add to that. I think it is spot on um, that instead of like worrying about the whole church and figuring out what is. What do I need to do on this issue? Okay, what about this issue? Okay, what about this issue? We can get lost in the context of, yeah, but Jesus didn't talk about this. Definitely, definitely. Jesus didn't address this, mm -hmm. and so therefore I don't need to do anything. Um, I think uh, if we're really honest with ourselves, uh, which, I mean, everybody's, everybody's honest with themselves. They might not tell somebody else, but if you're honest with yourself, you know yeah. That you are called to make a change. You know that there is something horribly wrong with the world we live in. And you know that if you're a believer, you have the answer. Yes. Um, and so uh, if you have anything else to add, man, um, I, uh, <clears throat> I think that is a good foundation for us. Yeah. Um, going forward in, in terms of talking about social justice and all of the caveats that we will have to address when we get there um, about abortion, about uh, sexuality, about um, women's rights, about minorities and how they've been historically treated, about everything. Um, we'll address those when the time comes. And mm -hmm. we're, not, we're also not going to make this podcast a social justice podcast. 
Definitely not. We want to do a lot of uh, different things. Yeah. Um, a lot of different topics and viewpoints. We're actually, I'm really excited about an episode we're recording next week. Um, I have a, a good friend of mine named Brendan Goodcuff. Um, he is a great friend of mine. Um, he's an incredible graphic designer. He's super talented. You he can go follow so him. Talented. Go follow him on Instagram at goodcuff.design. Just wonderful, wonderful dude. Genuine, like good hearted man. Yeah. Um, but he is a, a very strong willed and very opinionated atheist. <laughs> um, and he and I have had several conversations about, about my faith, about his lack of, um, and it's always good and fun. And, you know, uh, we're going to have him on next week. We're going to interview him and just talk about uh, kind of his background, his story a little bit. He's got some stuff that he wants to talk about from his worldview. We may debate a little, have a little fun with that. Um, but yeah, we don't want to, this is not a social justice podcast. Yeah. Let's just get that on the table right now. Like that is not our goal. This is a podcast about Jesus and coffee and having fun and having tough conversations. And yeah. I don't think you can say that we're having a podcast about hard conversations and not talk about social justice, which is yeah. why we're doing this. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I'm really excited about the next one. Me too. Um, I, uh, I don't know, uh, Brendan, so I feel like it's going to be nice to get to know who he is, um, his story and, uh, yeah. If, also, if you guys have any, we're kind of, we've just been rolling with it as it's been going. We uh, we don't necessarily have a elongated timeline as to what topics we're going to be talking about. So if you guys have any good ideas as to uh, people or, or types of people that we should bring on or topics that we should address and talk about, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We are excited to talk with you next time. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in for today's episode of Brews and Gentiles. We really hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. And if you're interested in any more content from Brews and Gentiles, we encourage you, please go to our website. We both Dylan and I post blogs weekly, and we would love for you to check out what we have to say in the blogs. If you want to check us out on social media, we have an Instagram account, at Bruise and Gentiles. And if you like what you've heard, please leave a review, a positive review. Please like, please subscribe. It really helps us in the end. We love you guys, and we look forward to talking to you again.